Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Have you seen the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Turtles in a half shell. Turtle power. I'm your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 43, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On today's episode, we have a very sincere and honest discussion about teaching mathematics. Uh, how we teach the problems with our own teaching methods, as well as the problems and good sides of other teachers we've had. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that makes you sad. So, uh... I guess I'm just going to go right into uh, introducing my guests. I really don't have much of a preamble for today's episode. It's it's been a, it's been a tough day. It's been a, been a really really heart wrenchingly tough day, as evidenced by the fact that I've had to spend so much time with the person sitting next to me, Mister Brandon Metzer. Her- Metz, Metz, Metz. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, so you don't trust Metzger. Me. I meant not. Metzger, uh, which is for... which is German for butcher, and massacre has to. It's also used as my last name, so I find that ironic that my last name is the root word in the word for massacre and butcher in German. I thought it was ob- ironically fitting. And so next up, the Sultan of Swagger. I think I say Sultan of Swat. <laughs> Too much sandlot, though. <laughs> the Sultan of Swagger. The king of cacophony. cacophony. The joie de vivre of joie de vivre, Cody Palmer. Joie de vivre of joie de vivre. Cacophony? <laughs> I don't know if that cacophony <laughs> describes Cody. Uh, you, well, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I just I don't. That right. just, it doesn't seem like a cacophonous person to me. No, but I, I was really searching for a word that started with the cup. And you could have come up with anything other than cacophonous. What about what about bag or? Well, what about wait, wait, wait. What about cool? The king of cool. No, no, that never happened. That that's that's not nearly a strong enough positive adjective to describe you. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you. I think you need neat. It's more strong. Neat. <laughs> that's stronger than cool. Uh, the anchor man of awesome. Ah, Cody Palmer. Thank you, thank you, Anchorman of Awesome. <laughs> do they allow? Do they allow Anchorman to have beards? No, mustache only. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm in favor. I think about an Anchorman in rural Montana. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, Everybody I was, has a beard there. Even I expect, women. I would expect nothing less. You're thinking of women dwarves. <laughs> you're thinking of dwarves. I watched. What movie did I watch the other day? It was um. Lord of no, the it was, Rings. It the was two dirty towers. work. It was dirty work. It had the chick with the beard and they shave her. <laughs> That's payback. Okay, so on combinations and permutations, we uh we take some topic and then we uh wax lyrical about it. Usually it's some sort of math topic. Uh and and so on today's topic, we're gonna go with something different. We're not gonna take a direct uh, you know, mathematician or math problem theorem discipline to talk about instead we're just going to talk about uh math teaching 
the teaching of maths, as you would say if you were over in the UK. I'm going to continue to call it maths because Brandon really hates it. It should not fucking be called maths. No, I mean, I, w- I was talking to Matt Parker over on, uh, on Strongly Connected Components. Uh, will probably be an episode ago when this is, or two episodes ago when this is released. Uh, and he was talking about the reason it's called maths over there. It's the difference between contraction and truncation. In the United States, we truncate mathematics to math. In the UK, they contract mathematics to maths. So we're like, cannot to can't. Instead of hmm. truncating it to cannot to can. Because that would not be a very effective truncation. Because uh, it wouldn't exactly give any meaning. Because people would be like, oh, I can do that. Oh, then just go do it. No, 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 I can do it. Sorry, I don't yeah. understand. I can do it. Right. I'm truncating cannot. Are you dumb? Right. That, that makes sense. I guess my only objection to maths would be that to us it sounds plural. But, yeah, but well, because it is plural. And- maths are plural. We have algebra, number theory, topology, graph theory, combinatorics, analysis, complex analysis, real analysis, harmonic analysis, calculus, uh, multivariate calculus. There are a lot of maths. Yeah, I think you could you could make that argument, but then you could say, but the, all everything you just mentioned is contained in in math. When you talk yeah, about I, math, I would say it's, contained, it's in contained in mathematics, which has an S at the end of it. But it's not necessarily plural. Maths doesn't have to be necessarily plural then either, does it? This, this, is, true. this is this is this is this is true. Oh, mathematics sounds like one word to me, just like you know, goose. Goose, goose is the sound. singular. Uh, geese is the plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, you maybe well, wanted to saying. go with moose. No, because I want to say it's got that sound at the end, but it's you know it's singular. It's not plural. Yeah, but geese doesn't end in s. No, neither does moose. No, but uh, it, that's kind of my point. I mean, just because it, I mean, geese doesn't end with s. It's still plural. So just because something ends in s doesn't mean it has to be plural. Right. Okay, so uh, for semantics, uh, that is about as far as we're going to go here. Boxes and boxen and oxen and <laughs> Okay, so what, what we're going to talk about now is we're going to talk about uh, our personal experience in teaching math. Um, now, so all of us have been maths teachers uh, at some point in time, I, except for Brandon. Brandon's only been a math teacher. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> And so uh, what we're going to do is we're talk a little bit about our experiences. Now, a little bit of background as to, as to uh, like what we do. I mean, we're all graduate assistants. So it's not like we get full and free reign like a professor or even a high school teacher does. Um, now, for, say, what I teach, I teach finite mathematics here at uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV.edu slash math. Uh, I think I'm going to have to hack into the site and change it to slash maths. That would be fantastic. Okay. Um, Makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> Stupidest thing ever. Now, now, I have a, I have a lot of freedom. I think the, for finite math, uh, we have probably a little bit more freedom than some of the other classes do. Not necessarily more than Brandon does right now. Uh, but uh, like we have a what is called a departmental final. So we have to teach to this final. But the order in which we teach it uh, and all of the tests that we give during the rest of the semester, we are able to come up with. So we have a decent amount of freedom. Now, uh, Cody, I know you teach uh, pre-calc 2, mm-hmm. uh, which is trig. Now, uh, what kind of freedom are you afforded? Well, it's, it's similar to your situation. We have um, – we can make our own tests. Um, 
But now we also have, in addition to the departmental final, we also have mandated online homework uh, on top of that. Um, so you're, you're sort of teaching towards the final. Um, we're not necessarily given too much information about what is actually on the final. Um, but uh, but w we do have, as far as during the semester, we do have quite a bit of freedom. Uh, but we do have to have, um, have the online homework uh, throughout throughout the semester that's that's the that's the big thing that they have us in the semester and then as yours the departmental final as well now i, I kind of recall you mentioning problems with the grading uh. of the most recent department final well okay uh, okay not let's, just you let's, but a lot. let's get in let's uh, start talking like, about that in just a second now uh brandon i know your situation is a bit different mm -hmm. uh so can you explain a little bit about uh, the well, class you teach or how I'd, you teach it I teach Math 120, which is sort of a little bit of everything. It's kind of like a, yeah, it's not really a prerequisite for anything. You just, it's a core class you would take to get rid of your math core. But um, I do get to make my own exams for all of them, pretty much. But the final, I'm given a set of problems that have to be on the exam, but not the whole exam is written for me. So I have to come up with the other 60% of the exam questions on for my final. And then, you know... It's left up, the, most of the grading is left up to my, you know, opinion, how I want to grade it, but that's about it. Like, I know with the other department finals, you have to grade it, it's either this many points or this many points. You, there's no, there's no, you know, middle ground, you know. Yeah, with. You can't judge, like, how close were they to getting it right. Yeah, you know, with, It's either right or wrong with those, which is not right. Yeah, so with, with our, the right with the it. departmental final for finite math, uh, we ended up doing something I was very unhappy with because <clears> I did not want to do it, and that was group grading. So all the instructors who were teaching finite math all Hell ended no. up in a room together, and we all had to grade a certain group of problems. And we know how much those problems are worth, but we are allowed to grade them however we wanted to grade them. Those problems for everybody's class. So I was grading the first set of problems, which are pretty easy because those are two or three point problems, which are either right or wrong. Like there's, there's not partial credit on a three point uh, problem on a hundred point test. Because, I mean, they're, they're not worth much. Uh, but on the other ones, people were allowed to give partial credit. And we weren't even actually given a rubric, which, given that we were doing group grading, seemed quite odd to me. I fear we should have been told exactly how. We weren't even actually given uh, the uh, answers. We had to solve all the questions ourselves. Which, once again, if we're doing group grading, that doesn't work. And I know a couple people were upset. I found that most of mine were graded fine. Uh, but it took a lot longer, or I had to sit there a lot longer than I wanted to because I would have been able to finish my grading. Now, you had problems with your grading too, Cody? Well, for our department final, we were given a rubric along with the answer key. And so that was, we were given a set of numbers. And if the problem, for example, on a five-point uh, five question, you know, you know, if the problem was done perfect, they get five points. However, if there was anything wrong, if there was a single error, if we were going to deduct any points, we were mandated to take off three points. So I couldn't just subtract one point or, or two points. Like, say they misplaced a decimal point, you had to take off three points? Yes. Uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think I actually had that case where it was um, a, a really tiny mistake. But I did, I did have some cases where I felt like, man, three points, you know, that's 60%. It's a wonder 60%. why all these people have math anxiety. You know? <laughs> See the way this shit's graded. I mean, it makes total sense to me why these people are so afraid of math. Yeah. Because, you know, they, 
some, they're just so harsh. I mean, three points for a freaking decimal point? Who, come on. Who yeah. the fuck cares? And I, I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that I you actually would have followed if I, that. If I was in that situation, I would have just taken no points off. Be like, oh, they just misplaced a decimal point. You're right. fine. Right. But I, I think that 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 was, I mean, that's certainly a lot harder than, than what I grade. And, you know, our department supervisor, he had his own reasons for doing what he did. Um Particularly, he wanted to make sure that the students who did pass our class were actually well prepared at an algebra standpoint to go into calculus. But um, so you but I mean, either pass with flying talked, colors or fail. We've talked about exams on this podcast before, and we all essentially came to the agreement that the exams are bollocks and are not a decent metric for telling whether or not someone's ready to yeah. go on. Because yeah. there's people who are great at taking exams and people who are horrible yeah. at taking exams. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of a lenient grader. I grade on based on, you know, what I wanted the student to get out of the problem, yeah. particularly, I mean, if they make, you know, if it's a problem about, you know, like a triangle, some sort of triangle problem, like a survey problem where you're given three lengths to the side of a triangle and you have to determine the angles between them, you know, something like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for them to, okay, I'll use law of cosines. Uh, you know, I'm looking for that. If they make, um, depending on what kind of error, if they can get that, if they can acknowledge, okay, yeah, this is the law of cosines and, and carry it on from there with some sort of reasonable accuracy, I'll give most of the points. Um, so I mostly look at not so much what type of error they're made, but, but what sort of errors they didn't make. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of that. I mean, I, with finite math, I teach a decent amount of probability and nothing annoys me more than when someone <laughs> gives me coming. an answer that's greater than one. 52 choose five is the probability yeah, that you yeah. choose. 52 choose five is an enormous number. It is a very large number. It is not less so than one. So you're telling me it's a like so 1 million then, percent chance this is going to happen. All like, right. If at least 52 choose five makes some sense, like there's something to do with a five, you know, a five carded hand of cards. I, I won't take off all the points, but I'll take off all but like two of the points. Like in a 10-point problem, a probability problem, you know, what's the probability you end up with four aces in your hand? And right. they give me 52, choose five. Uh, I'm taking off eight points. Yeah. Because that's greater than one. I, but if there's one thing you should learn from a probability court, anything it's probably... It's less than one. It's between zero and one. Yeah. Not less than zero, not greater than one, like, somewhere in between. I would honestly have given the students more points if they would have been like, I don't know how to do it, but the probability is between zero and one. <laughs> like, that would have only been like minus six. Yeah. Like, that, I would have given them more points like, just right. for stating that. It is that. somewhere between yeah, zero and one. It's like, that is not the answer. It's not the precise answer I was looking for because it's not a precise answer, but, but it, it it's a it's a lot better than the person who answered 58 yeah. million. It shows you have some level of understanding about the subject material. Not the greatest, but you have some level of understanding yeah. about the subject material. So now let's uh, let's transition off to something else that uh, at least I know I hate, and I imagine you hate as well. I don't know if Brandon has to deal with this. And that's online homework. I don't know oh. if there has ever been a less effective way of having <laughs> students do homework ever. I have. It's horrible. I have. Do you, ha do you have online well, homework in your course? Well, in, for 120, we use the course compass, which alone I've had troubles with. I've. They I tried to open half up your class once. Yeah, I like. I was like, "What the fuck happened to one of my classes that's not on here?" Another time, I tried to open up a quiz, like extend the, extend it, 
and it didn't. It opened up for me, so I could get to it, but no one else in the class, none of my students could access it. And it, I kept opening and closing it and doing everything, and nothing changed. So none, none of them could open it once it was closed. It was just and so and you know they, you have to answer it in totally correctly. Let me tell you something else. For the algebra classes, the Hawks Learning Center. Oh my God! I would I would that whoever that is I would yeah. <laughs> I can't uh, even say he, what I yeah, would do. He, you don't want to hear. What he was trying to I say. I might get arrested if I were to say anything <laughs> like that. But it's a really horrible system. It's just horrible. It's so bad that uh, I, from a student standpoint, from an instructor standpoint, it's pretty good. From a student standpoint, I do not see any benefit using it. It is so complicated. It makes no sense. And it's just very, very hard to follow. I got questions wrong. I'm like, no, that's right. I know it's right because I evaluated it. And even it was like, it was, you know, it wasn't in. It wasn't the right fraction or whatever. They didn't have it. It wasn't mm. simplified or something to the smallest thing when it never said that or like it's just something stupid. Like it mm. wasn't to the you didn't have um, I don't know something with, something with powers. Powers are very you know you know ambiguous. You, and Cody, you do trig. What's online homework like for well, trig? Uh, you know, one of the things is I mean I object to the online homework anyway. It has its pros and cons, but one of the biggest objections I had in our course format was that it was a mandated ten percent of the grade. And and with this with this particular um, uh, system, WebAssign, um, it actually uh, I I've looked into how it works, and I've I've actually looked at some of the coding it has, and it's it's one of the better ones that I've seen of all the hom- yeah, online it, ones. It definitely. However, is. it's still horrible. Um, it, this is a a it, what it ends up happening, particularly uh, with Trig, is that you can get the answer in a lot of different formats. Um, and cause I mean, if you know, uh, like if you're evaluating Depending on what law you yeah, use, if you're, if you're evaluating a particular angle, you might use the, or cosine of a particular angle, you might use the, uh, addition formula oh, or you look, might use the half angle formula. And they formula. could look totally different, but they're exactly. actually the same thing. And you can and get, obviously. you can get something where it's not obvious that they're necessarily equal, but they are equal, but web assign won't accept both of them. And so it's designed so that if the students don't do it, they don't get an A uh, but it's a horrible program. Um, it gives very little feedback about uh, about the problem. And one of the big things about written homework is that, okay, I can look at what a student does and I can make a comment uh, or they can come up and ask me uh, with WebAssign for so many students. And I think for online homework uh, in general, for sto- so many students, it ends up becoming an exercise in frustration rather than an exercise in learning. Yeah, we, uh, for finite math, we use WebCampus. Uh. Uh, the quiz set up in WebCampus, so if we have not inputted something as an answer, then uh, yeah, this, this, it this, doesn't work. And this was created by a student, so there's also a plenty of errors in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the guy who created it, and he does a damn good job given what he's working with. But I, it does – I mean, I understand why we have to use it, why it's mandated for all of us. Because we're all still students, and we don't have time. I tried my first semester. They did, I was teaching uh, the first pre-calc. And they did not require online homework that semester, the first semester I was teaching. And I tried collecting uh, homework, and, and a decent amount of homework, too. And it got to the point where I couldn't, I didn't have time for my classes. I was grading so much material. I had two classes of 60 students, and I was grading 20 problems each mm-hmm. from them. I did not have the time. And so I understand why they want to do the online homework for us, because... It takes a huge weight off of our backs as far as our grading loads. And when you're a graduate student, yes, you're teaching, but that's kind of like your side job. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what pays the bills, but it's not your it's not your life. Your life is doing these really ridiculously hard classes mm-hmm. that take up a huge amount of your time unless you're me and take a bunch of easy ones. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh it's a personal choice. I choose to not learn much but get good grades. <laughs> um and so, like, I can understand it, but how can you see, like, is there some sort of middle ground between the two? I mean, can you see any, any ways kind of around um, this or any way that we could create a system? Because I have a few ideas on how we could create a system that uses uh, online homework but works a lot better. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to hear both your and Brandon's thoughts before I go into my stupid ideas. Well, what I did for my online homework is I, I gave extra credit. And so that was designed for people who my, – my intention was, like I said, this homework, particularly WebAssign, uh, I've tutored students who've used it, and it can just be really frustrating for them. So the extra credit was designed to sort of help where, you know, where they might not be able to, um, you know, get all the points out of the online homework because it's just too, much, it's too hard for them to use. They can do the extra credit, which is, you know, standard written format. They can do the extra credit, and it, it sort of offsets the ten percent loss. Uh, did you do that like a lot harder extra credit problem so that you were really challenging them that way? Or? Um, some of them, some of them were harder, some of them were easier. I did tend to lean towards the the harder side just because I didn't, you know, there were only like four extra credit si- assignments total in the semester, so they were sort of difficult. You know, they had to earn the points, but they certainly were not impossible. As to improve, I I've not actually thought about it. Like how I would, I pretty much accept it as a necessary evil, with what we have to deal with. And but one of my problems with it is, you know, how about we switch to one type of thing, so we don't have to. If we switch classes and stuff, we don't have to actually try and well, learn every I type. I actually I actually know that because I uh, no no publishing company because all these all oh, these they programs all just come from the, the publishing company. Oh, and so like WebAssign is the Pearson one, I think. Yeah. Uh, or no, it's Hawks the Pearson one. No, well, Course Compass is also Pearson. Oh, Course Compass. Is, uh, okay. Well, each one each one is is company mandated. Right. Yeah. Figures. And so they have to input it. And so no company, none of the publishing companies have a good one for all of them because that would mean we'd have to change all of our books to the same company. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the only way we do it. And we can't do that. One because then they would start gouging us immediately as yeah. soon as they had a. Uh, exclusive contract and two it doesn't it wouldn't give us much choice to move to a better one for some subject if we find one Mm -hmm. and i know that the people uh in the department who do the textbooks for the lower level classes spend an enormous amount of time evaluating these things they're constantly going to meetings about them Uh, but my idea of how to how to fix these is integrate a cas a computer algebra system Ah. Why can't we just integrate a computer algebra system into these online homework programs? Mm. That way they can evaluate it and check equivalencies. Right. I mean, because they could just evaluate them to decimals and check if they, you know, agree up to the millionth place. And if they do, good. Yeah. I mean, you could get, you probably get Wolfram Alpha to do it. That's, you know, that, I mean, or something like that, because Wolfram would fucking ream these companies <laughs> on licensing fees to build build access into their yeah. into their programs but it seems like we should be able to have some yeah. sort of 
a CAS built in the background that can just run and check to see if uh, when someone types in 42 choose oh, five, it I'm equals some number. Okay, you mean to check the what your the input. Check yeah. the input. Okay, sorry. I was thinking you said... Yeah, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. It's it just running in the background to check the input to see if no, that was, they did a trick thing in the opposite direction. Right. Like like they used half angle instead of double angle. Uh, well, no, just sent those are equivalent. Uh, that would half not angle be hard. I mean, God, my freaking Voyage 200 Ti freaking calculator can do that, can check equivalences. Yeah, right. why can't Why can't we just build in equivalency checkers and there is into an these emula- systems? And there's an emulator for that online, too, for free. So I well, know that it would be not that hard to program. Well, it would be a bit harder to program than what you think i mean just because you have to build it into an already existing program but you know what they pay web developers a ton of money so you know yeah but i mean you you would have you'd have to think the first group that does something like that is all of a sudden going to get a huge amount of contracts because their their online homework would be so far superior to all of the other groups Okay, so now now that we've bitched about the things that we really don't like about the teaching situation that we're in, let's go on to something a little bit more uh, instructive, specifically uh, ways that we uh, instruct our students, because everyone has a different sort of teaching method. So uh, starting with Brandon, like how like what is what is the typical day of teaching involved for you? Regular semester, not summer. Okay. Oh yeah, summer. <laughs> Summer's always summer's a great experience. Um, oh man, I love honestly, I love teaching in summer because I get the students every single day for a longer period. They don't have the time to say that they forgot how to do something. Yeah, I'm like, no, you didn't. We did that yesterday. You can't exactly. tell me you forgot it. <laughs> it's like I did this yesterday. It's like, what is this quiz on? I don't know. It's what we did yesterday. It's off the homework. <laughs> you did the homework like ten hours ago. How do you not remember? Oh my god! But I gave a quiz today. That's why. Um, <laughs> but um, the regular semester. Well, when I when I started to, with a new chapter or whatever, you know, you do re, you do a little. I like to do a little blurb about things. I don't know how you guys do. I like to do a blurb and sort of motivation about why we're studying this this certain part of it. But I mean, I switch a lot from different subjects. Yeah, like, like why set theory, probability, you know, like financial why stuff. why do you feel that 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 helps? It well, just I giving a background for the them, subject. It or? gives them to be like you, you know that the it, the. <laughs> The age-old adage, where am I ever going to use this in the real world, comes in. And I like to preempt that every chance I get because that's one thing that I don't accept to hear from my students. Because as soon as they say that, oh, they opened up the gates of hell then because I just have to start going off on a spiel about, oh, you don't think you'll ever use it? Let me show you where it's used. Uh, someone I, ju- I just read today online, it was on Slashdot, uh, a math teacher, I think it was in Alabama, uh, was uh, had what had to be investigated by the Secret Service <laughs> after stating that you could use all of these angles. Uh, like, well, this is the angle you would want to fire if you wanted to shoot the president. <laughs> they they found uh, he's not going to get fired. Uh, like, they found nothing bad with him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did tell him next time you might want to be a little bit more careful about how you speak in right. class. <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can shoot the president. This motivation stuff, I think that's important. Also, it's. It's also something interesting to them. They're like, oh, well, I never thought of it that way before. You know, they just see, most of the time, they just see, like, oh, this is just numbers and letters up on the board. But no, it gives them a more real, uh, it gives them a more real world situation to think about it. It's like, because if you can relate it to something in the real world, you're relating it to yourself and you learn it better. Mm-hmm. That's just simple psychology, behavioral science. I mean, so I like to do a lot of that. But I also like to do, um, I guess, what is that? I, I like to stand and I like to ask a lot of questions and I like, I like them to, 
I sort of have them lead the class in a way, if you know what I mean. You, you want like, you want participation. Yeah, well, I like I I don't see I don't really call them proofs, but like when I'm doing these things, I prove these new things by asking, well, what happens if th- what happens if we do this, or what should I do next? And I let them make the results, so I have them derive all the results that we're doing. And I feel that you know if they're doing the action of deriving it, then they're going to understand where it comes from and. Oh, why this is why it doesn't look all like it doesn't look like Latin to them then, especially formulas, like um, when we do the financial stuff. I I always I I give them out the first one. You know, interest is principal times rate times the time, and then from there we can build all the other formulas, and I have them tell me how to do it. And I think I don't know if that was was that what was the Socratic method? It seems the Socratic method some, is dialogue. Is dialogue right? I couldn't. I, so, I, mean, I it's it's kind of a it's kind of a twist on it. Yeah. Uh, now more into like method itself. Are you a uh, standing and walking in, I, on I, the whiteboard? Are I'm you? I'm a more whiteboard. Okay, you're. A I whiteboard did. I person. used a tech one for the first semester, and you know what? I see the problem with the whiteboard is is the the size of the rooms. It's not. It's hard for me to write big because I mean I I to me it looks big on this when I'm that close, but to everyone, someone in the in the back, it's gonna be really tiny, and that's my only problem with that. But the, the tech rooms, I just hate having to switch paper. You waste paper, you waste mm-hmm. ink. You go, and it's, and it's too dark. And it's just, we should it's we should be right. a little bit more clear. Uh, these are dot, oh, yes. dot cams. Uh, things it's like an uh, overhead projector camera. that has a camera, so it pr- it takes the pic. You put a piece of paper down, takes a picture of it, a video camera, and it plays it up in real time on a projector yeah, yeah. on the screen on a screen. Okay, so now how about you, Cody? Um, well, you know, for me, whenever I start a class, I always start it with a with a brief review. I'd probably take five or ten minutes uh, going over everything that we covered uh, the day before or, you know, what was previously going on in, in the chapters. Um, like Brandon, whenever I, whenever I try to do, whenever I do something, and it's really easy to do with Trig, um, I always like to give a motivation uh, uh, for what we're trying to do, you know, where we're, where we're going to use it, why, why do we want to do this. Um, you know, and so when you talk about, okay, we're going to introduce sine, cosine, we're going to, when we do these, because it allows us to solve a ton of real world problems involving triangles. Um, and, and then if I actually am proving a formula, I guess I don't actually prove it in a formal sense as in I state it and then I, I, uh, you know, prove it from there. I actually, I actually try to derive it in a very natural way, um, some students have told me that it's helpful for them in actually remembering the formulas uh, is, is how you actually derive them. So you might, oh, yeah, st- you might start off, it, yeah. you start off with the area formula for a triangle and then you use that to derive the law of sines. Um, and it's, you know, it's not too long. And so that's helpful for some of them. Um, but as far as actual method, I definitely prefer the whiteboard over the uh, uh, writing them to the document cam. I feel like I can get, I can get more up and leave it up there for them to reference back. Um, I always tell them that if I do something on the whiteboard that they don't understand, they can stop me right there and we'll go back and we can go over it. Um, so I definitely prefer having a, a nice, a lot of board to work with over a document camera. Like, another thing about the whiteboard, which is great, or even the chalkboard, is the ability to manipulate what's on the board. Mm-hmm. Where if you're using a dot cam, you most of the time you got to use a pen because it's not really bright enough to see with a pencil or anything. Mm-hmm. And erasing is just, you know, 
you know, really looks annoying. weird. It's, it's unprofessional. Smears, yeah. It's unprofessional. Yeah, we're not allowed to make mistakes. So the whiteboard's great because <laughs> I make you mistakes can... all the time because I can erase them on the whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. See, so just yeah, heck, my hands get dirty because I I'll always spend. Yeah. I'll just like I'll just like write. I'll just like oh no no. no I'll just like go no it's, no no no. Yeah, I'll I like use, erase I with my hand or something. The edge, uh, mm-hmm. the edge of my palm uh, yeah. by my pinky. Okay, so I'll talk a little bit about what I do too, uh, because I'm sure everyone really misses the sultry sounds of no, my voice. No, I think voice we can move on. Point. At this point, uh, no, I mean, uh, no, because you two seem actually quite similar. I'm actually quite different. I don't tend to do the motivation. I, that. I, I don't tend to do the motivation talks like in the beginning. Like I tend to intersperse it. One thing that I try to do a lot is I try to inject a lot of history into the class, where things came from. Uh, like whenever I talk about probability, I talk about Pascal and Fermat, the unfinished mm-hmm. game. Uh, and then I like whenever we get a result that doesn't make much sense, uh, like uh, when you're dealing with false positives, because the book doesn't actually talk about the false positive. But whenever we run up against that problem that, uh, you know, the tuberculosis test, that's if you have it, if you have it, it tells you that you have it 95 percent of the time and it tells you that you have it when you don't 15 percent of the time. But almost no one has tuberculosis, so everyone who tests positive <laughs> doesn't have it. And so I give a good like five-minute-long spiel about why this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I even tie it into like the data mining projects of the terrorism war. Because not a single person who was found on any of those data mines turned out to be a terrorist. And they found a good ten or 15,000 people and put them through hell. Uh, it turned out all of them were perfectly fine. <laughs> And so I, I like tying in real world situations in this. Like I take specific examples of actual events uh, and I like, I like tying in a lot of history. Uh, I do tend to do a few formal proofs pretty much whenever I get the chance, because I really feel that showing them that kind of sequential logic is Im- important for the students. But yeah. the classes I teach, the class I teach is really different than both of yours because right. uh, it's meant for marketing and business people. And so I like I have a specific group of people who I can pander to directly when I talk about things. Like I, I never bring up anything that doesn't have to do with business, essentially. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm also a whiteboard person, but I've been trying to inject multimedia recently. In uh, in the summer class I'm teaching, I've shown a couple of YouTube videos that show uh, interesting methods of multiplication uh, that Alex Bellos uh, put up. They're really interesting. It's a cross hash cross hatch multiplication. It's it's a really interesting way of doing multiplication. I thought it was it was just an interesting way of showing that there are different things. And I really am thinking about maybe really, really switching things up and trying to do slides next time. Uh, mm. Mostly because I recently invested in an iPad, which allows you to <laughs> annotate slides ah. in the middle of a presentation. So while giving the presentation, I can then use my finger and write on the slide itself. Hmm. Uh, which I think that kind of that kind of allowing of both kind of dot cam ish, but also having everything uh, already written up in the exact form that you want it to be, uh, in an easily readable format too, because my writing is not the easiest thing to read. I think could really hmm. uh, benefit my students. I don't know if it will. I I will probably try it out. I don't know if I'll stick with it throughout the semester. But I'm definitely going to try to give my first few classes in fall semester uh, using Keynote on my iPad. Hmm. No, I like your idea of uh, injecting history into that. I've, I've tried, you know, I, I try to do that Dude, when it, I can. It, it interests the students get yeah. into it when yeah. you start talking about, oh, uh, especially if you start telling them like with negative numbers. Negative numbers have only been around for about 400 years. Yeah. 
You're telling like, think about this. People have been counting for uh, at least the newest thing. I just read an article in Discovery. There may have been numbers as far back as like 20 million years ago <laughs> or something ridiculous. Yeah. And we, up till now, we thought it was like 30,000. But even then, there's been numbers for at least 30,000 years. Yeah. We've only had negative numbers for 400. Think about how new and young this is. Think about all those famous mathematicians who had no idea. Like I really like I really like pointing out that you are studying things that would have blown the minds of Archimedes and Pythagoras. Yeah. And when you tell them like that, they get excited because like, oh, look at us. We're we're smarter than these people who are considered the smartest people yeah. ever because we know this thing. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, people are a lot more interested in the story of things than they are in the actual mathematics. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I was, I, uh, my students got a big kick out of uh, uh, the story about uh, when one of the Pythagoreans discovered that uh, uh, root two was irrational, <laughs> right. and he was either killed or uh, deported. We yeah. don't exiled. Exiled yeah. is the word. Yeah, yeah, I told him that one too. Yeah. Even though there's no reason to talk about square root of two in my class. Yeah. I, it was no, just, I it's such a good a story. Talk about the square root of two. <laughs> well, we were talking about irrational numbers, and so right. I brought that up. Okay, so I mean that's and that's that's how we teach. I mean we don't I, and we haven't been in the game nearly long enough to make a judgment if we're teaching the best that we can. Actually, no, we can. None of us are teaching yeah. at our best possible level. One because we have other things on our mind, and two because we haven't been doing it long enough to know how to teach perfectly. No one ever right. does. But uh, now let's go back into things that we can bitch and yell about <laughs> uh, and also say very positive things about. Let's talk about teachers that we've had and either things that math teachers we've had and other things that they've, we, that they've done that are amazing or things that they've done that they're horrible. I'm going to start out uh, with, and let's, let's, come up, let's come up with names of uh, names not of these people. We don't want to give names of the people we're talking about, but names for the style. Now, the first style I'm going to talk about is Mr. I'm going to look at the board the entire class and never look at you. This is one of the worst teachers. He will take things out of the book, write the book out verbatim, <laughs> and never once look. Talk directly into the, to the whiteboard so you can't even really hear yeah. him because these are usually quiet people as well, because the reason they won't look at you is because they're scared of you. Uh, they're, you know, it's kind of like bears. They're more scared of you than you are of it. Until yeah. they maul your face. Yeah. Well, they're only mauling well, your face because they're scared of you. Well, <laughs> exactly. It's self-defense. Well, and, and they still <laughs> do course. maul your face as soon as they grade your exams. Uh, <laughs> that, that is considered the mauling of the face. And so this, anyone who's teaching, this is a bad method. Yes. Look your students in the eye. Try to look at all of them. Don't just pick one student out because they will feel creeped out yeah. and kind of scared. Yeah. Actually, so, I, 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 have been, I have been there. I had one professor. He was doing a problem on so the no, board. So, no, no. Just saying you have to come up with a Mr. Something here. Um, uh, okay, I, I got it. Mr. Engage Only Single Student. Yes, Mr. Engage Only Single Student is doing a problem on the board. It's a problem in the homework I know I got right. Yet he insists on, as he's doing the problem, to... Look right at me like I got it wrong. And I'm sitting there going. I think, I think these all um, might describe the same person. Uh, no, no, no. Because Mr. Uh, only looks at the board uh-huh. won't even do this. Really? Literally does not engage students, period. Says hello, turns around, holds the book in one hand, the marker in the other, and you barely see anything but no. the side of his face for an hour yeah. and 15 minutes. Wow. that's. I've and had which... more than one 
instructor like we've had instructors i i had instructors at my old university where we literally i would sit i would sit in the front row back then i'm now a back row kind of person because i want to play with my phone the entire class but at this point i didn't have an iphone therefore i didn't want to play with it well i still wanted to play with one but i just didn't have one mm-hmm. anyways uh, uh, i was getting to my point you know well, that you just still not you there. just derailed me more uh, and we actually, I was sitting in the front row, and everyone in the front row had to ask him to please turn around while he spoke because we couldn't hear him. I was sitting as far away from him as I am from Cody. And by the way, we're sitting at one of those little folding tables. It's yeah. a good yard. He yeah. was a yard away, and he was talking so closely into the board, we had to ask him to turn around, and also we had to ask him to move aside because he would write the entire this was an analysis class. Write the entire analysis proof on the board, but his body would completely block it. And then he'd be like, okay, now we have to move on. I'd be like, I'm, I'm sorry, we haven't been able to write any of that down. We can't see it. Yeah. I, I think that... I think and he would write it in silence, too. He wouldn't even narrate. Oh. So, yeah. That just bothers me. I, I hate writing in silence. I just have to like. I have to be like. Well, I write word problems in silence. That's about it because I want to write faster than I'm going to be able to speak it. Yeah, and I always end up. I always end up. I always tell myself I try not to talk while writing the same kind of sentence, like, because then I just end up totally misplacing things. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that with professors like that, I think really. They don't have, and I'm not saying this like in a malicious way, but they don't have like a real concern for their students. You know, they're up there and they're teaching and they may be interested in the material and they may, you know, want the students to learn. But I think having a real concern for your students, you know, and, and wanting to, you know, go down every avenue possible to help them learn. And I think that when you have somebody who reads out of the book verbatim, doesn't look at the class or only engages one student, I think that it shows on some level a lack of care uh, for the students. Okay, and so now now let's let's come to Brandon. You haven't you haven't talked about one, and oh, I know I that there's one you really want to talk about. <laughs> so you have to you have to come up with a name because I want I want to put this name up on the website, on the which is uh, AcmeScience.com. By the way, oh, God. I forgot to plug anything but the email address. Simulate AcmeScience.com last episode so hmm. well i'm gonna have to i uh mr I changes variables during well, a no, proof no, it's not it, that's not good enough mr uh slams chalk into board no no because we didn't have chalk this semester <laughs> um no i'm gonna i I'm, I'm going to top it okay go okay so mr um so i want to include those those first two okay <laughs> okay so just sent uh mr changes changes variable variable Change variable, but while slamming shit into the board. <laughs> while slamming board. While totally make it being spastic and not making any sense because he's just bl- blurbing out, erasing half of his work and then rewriting new things because it was a mistake. And erasing half work because mistake. <laughs> And using Wikipedia as your proofs. <laughs> and I mistake Wikipedia proofs. <laughs> okay, so let's go through some of these. The slamming things into the board, not really a big deal. We can, we can kind of leave that off. Yeah. So let's explain why changing you've never variables. Said, you've never been hit by that, <laughs> by that projectile chalk from the front row, Sam. Okay? 
That's because I sat in the back row so I could take naps and play on my phone. And make fucking paper hats. And, and That was the best thing I did in that class. And get yelled at. That is true. I did get, did yelled, get yelled at. at. <laughs> and the one time I got yelled at, I was mentioning an actual math thing to you. Yeah. Like, I was talking actually about the class. <laughs> the only time during that class I ever talked about the class, mind you. And yes, I did get yelled at. But okay, so slamming, not really a big deal. So why is changing variables in the middle of a proof a bad idea? Oh, just a second. We don't need to explain that because it's fucking obvious. Uh, how about erasing half the work? Once again, completely fucking yeah, obvious. It makes it- if you're putting a proof up, especially in a tough class, you should probably make sure to prep well enough that you can put yeah. the fucking proof on. Yeah. And he was copying out of the book Yeah. and or- still making up, making mistakes. Or Wikipedia. No, no. He just had handouts. <laughs> of it Wikipedia got, got articles. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't. I. I honestly, there's a reason I didn't take that class. So I, like I don't want to go kept into it. Full of handouts, man. This... It's nothing. Okay. Uh, I. I have another one. Or. Or. Oh, and the cherry on top. Simple calculation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't tell your students it's only a simple calculation if it's not. And then don't. And then when they ask you, simple Can you calculation help with this? is. Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Yeah, the integral from zero to infinity of x log x over one plus x squared dx. It's not exactly not a simple, simple calculation. calculation. And don't don't tell your students. Oh, just you just do simple calculation when they come up to you and ask you during office hours. Could you please go over oh, yeah. this? And, and when you're doing a proof, me. you can't skip twenty steps by saying it's a simple calculation. Can't do either. that. You can't. Yeah. No. No. Okay, uh, Mister uh, Egotistical. I'm not talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mister, that's a first. Mister oh. egotistical. The content of this course doesn't actually matter. The oh. things I'm oh. handing to you do. <laughs> I I think I know who you're talking I, about. I know. Have not. Of course, both of you do because I've com- been complaining about uh, this class for a while. Um. Uh, and so essentially, what happened here is uh, I was taking a class. Where the content actually really did matter. This class had a very specific aim. Uh, But uh, the professor I'm talking about, instead of fulfilling that aim at all, decided to only talk about things he had written about his life that had nothing to do with the actual subject of this course. And I'm I'm sorry, when when you're teaching a math course, even a math course that isn't heavily about math, but is about slightly other things that are tangentially related to math, you still really have to talk about it. You can't just gloss over it and then spend an hour talking about a trip that you once took. I, it's, you can't do that in any class. I don't care what it is. You can't do that. And that bothered me so much. Yeah, it's, um, I, think that, I think that particularly with that class you were taking, um, the experience of the professor really could not have anything to do with uh, with the actual aims of the course. Uh, unless my professor's last name was Gowers, Dow, or Wiles, yep. you are correct. And it was none of those uh, fantastic, right. amazing mathematicians, who at least one of them, I bet, is actually a poor teacher. Similar. Because some really good mathematicians are just poor teachers yeah. because they're so good at their subject. And that, that's another thing that we should probably actually talk about a bit. A lot of mathematicians have poor social skills. Uh, 
Yeah. Personality yeah. disorders. No, that's definitely true. I mean, look at look at look, look at, at us. us. <laughs> Narcissism. Not, not, so, not so much Cody. Cody mm-hmm. seems to be pretty good. Narcissism, egotism, uh, slight uh, baseline high functioning autism right. uh, symptoms. Misanthropy. Yeah, misanthropy. Uh, uh, what what's the uh, what's the phobia to deal with people? Uh, you you can't agoraphobia. That, that's, I, that's, that's, fear, that's fear of going outside. Uh, well, it's, it's fear of large groups of people, I thought. Agor- fucking cares. Well, yeah, some but I mean, some of them have fears okay. of large groups of people. Okay. And so all these things make it issues when you have a mathematician who has right. these things right. who <laughs> then is forced to teach. Yeah. So I think we might want to look at not making some of these amazing research mathematicians have to teach because they're not going to be any good at it. Like yeah. there's a difference between being a great mathematician and a great teacher, and I, that's something that high schools understand, and colleges seem to not understand at all. Yeah, I think that I think that it it is something to consider. I mean, if you're out there delegating teaching positions, especially to the lower level classes, right? The ones where the students really need help. Yeah, I think that certainly for for remedial remedial math classes. I mean, I, okay. So I know I know that I have the pa- I have a really high patience level. I am one of the, the surprisingly enough. I can be I okay am around your students. Are you talking about because around yeah. anyone else you're not? That's you just, just you just have to store it up. Yeah. It's kind of like a patience level, like. You have so much patience in the day, so you have to use it all. Yeah, but with your see, students. that's my natural self. I'm talking about patience that pushes me over the edge, <laughs> that actually makes me have to raise my voice like I had to. And I don't know what it is, but um, I mean the whole swearing shit—that's just normal. But I'm talking about like the actual "you've made me angry" time to be time to behave type thing. I shouldn't have to do that at college. And I had to do that the other day. I had to actually tell him to settle down. I had to raise my voice, and that doesn't happen often. And I found it hard. It's I find it hard to teach this some of the lower level courses because it's like I've explained it. You know, you explain the same thing so many times and so many ways, and you just can't think of another way. And you're just like, I, tell me what's got you confused, and they just don't even know. Well, and, and not only that, when it comes to situations like that, sometimes I feel like I'm making fun of them. I know like, that's like, why I don't. I don't think that they feel that at like. Actually, I'm, I've talked to a couple of my former students about it. Like, I asked, did you feel that I was talking down to you a lot of the times? And they're like, no. I mean, a couple of times it seemed like it, but not not often. But whenever I'm up there teaching the math that I do, I consistently feel like I'm talking down mm-hmm. to them. It's. I think I, it's because it's so. It's. Easy. It's to so us. to us. It's like it's trivial. It's, it's trivial like, is yeah. the word. It's like your heart beating at this point. Yeah. It's like breathing to us doing this stuff like algebra, like in me algebra. I can I could do that stuff in my sleep while on crack cocaine with PCP <laughs> in my blood while drinking you, you're not, whiskey. You're not asleep I mean, at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have both dust and blow in your system, you but are I'm not just, asleep. The, but the point is, it becomes so yeah. easy for us that it's it gets we almost forget sometimes that not everybody understands it, and it's very it's yeah, very frustrating I, to and, us because we're like, why can't you just? And not, I'm saying it's it, not necessarily that they don't understand it. I I can understand when they come into the class not understanding it. Right, but like after I assume, the like I millionth assume, time. But no, I it, for me it's after the first time they see it, they should just get it. Yeah, I'm like the first time I saw this, I got it. Like I teach the simplex method. That's the last thing that I teach in but my see, book, and the simplex method is not an easy thing. 
The simplex yeah. method is actually a tough and kind of hard to understand thing. I looked at it once, spent a little bit of time before I went to sleep coming up with the basic sketch proof of it. All in all, maybe five hours of thinking about this thing. And I completely understood it. I understood exactly why it works, how it worked. I could visualize it in, multi, in like four dimensions, exactly why this method worked. And, and I knew how to do the method as soon as I looked at it. And it's, it's really hard sometimes to grasp the how the bloody hell does this do, yeah. do, does it just not make sense to them I, I, I just yeah just i mean that but see that's not what bothers me the, the complicated stuff doesn't bother me when they don't well understand no no it. i mean that that was just but that was one of the hard thing i just wanted to say something hard because before i taught the class i'd never seen it before right. but all i had to do was look at it once so when i feel that right. when i put it on the board in a more simple version than the way the book has not just for that but for probability for counting like they should just get it. Yeah. So it's like today I was talking about, uh, uh, you know, this problem. They knew that 400 tickets to something had been sold. And they knew that X was the variable uh, of that was the amount of adult tickets sold. And the question was how many student tickets were sold? I'm like, well, it's just like, how can you not understand? There's 400 total tickets that were sold. X of them are adults. That means that the rest of them have to be students, so it's yeah. 400 minus X. That's just... Or seniors. Well, no, there's, <laughs> o- there's only adults and students in this problem, so there's only two things. It's like that's so obviously yeah. 400 minus X to me. It's just like how can you not understand? It's like, yeah. You, it's, it's just the compliment. Just find the compliment. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, if, it's, you, if you're splitting it into two things – some of it's this, the others must be that. I mean, yeah. and, and one thing you're that one I, or the other. One thing that I try to do, uh, and I, I really, this is one thing that I've that I learned to do uh, when I was doing 126, and I've tried to hold on to it ever since. Is whenever a variable stands for something, I always stand in front of the class and ask them multiple times. I like say for that, I just ask them, well, how many adult tickets were sold? And they just immediately go back to the book and they look for the number. I'm like, no. It's on the board. How many adult tickets were sold? How many adult tickets yeah. were sold? How many adult... To make them think of the variable yeah. as a number. Like, because they have to. Yeah. They have to be able to think of that. And, that yeah. and that's the only method I've found to make them think of it. And after a while, someone will be like, uh, X? I'm like, yes, exactly. There were X adult tickets. There are X1. There is X2 of this. There's S1 yeah. of this. Yeah. It's like you have to think of those things as numbers. Yeah, and I think that... One of the things you deal with here in college is that um, the the high schools do not always do the greatest job of getting these students to that, that even begin to think mathematically. Uh, I it's I believe I mentioned this on a previous podcast. The uh, the teachers who are getting their master's degree right now, who all work at Clark County, all seem like fantastic people who are going to be really good mm-hmm. teachers. But Clark County is. Uh, or at least it was. I don't think it is currently, but it is one of the worst yeah. metropolitan school districts in the yeah. country, and it has it was for a long time the worst yep. metropolitan yep. school district in the country. And at UNLV, there is no ACT minimum, no SAT minimum. All they have to have done is graduate college with a C or better to get in. So we do get a lot of kids who are unprepared, having right. come through a school system that is. Notoriously yeah. horrible. Yeah, like having to teach how to add and subtract, multiply and divide. 
is some things that we end up having to do. Yeah. Which yeah. you should you should have had that by you know You should have had that in my elementary God, school. Yeah, second yeah. grade you do multiplication if yeah. that late. Third third grade is multiplication. I did multiplication in second and division in second. It was just like I think you do some of the smaller stuff, but yeah. you don't really like you don't learn long division until like third or fourth. Yeah, no. that long division you don't do until you know, like or later, like three digit versus three digit multiplication. But the point is, like you shouldn't have to be don't need to be teaching that at the college level. No, you yeah. should not. That just I, ruins I the whole. I mean, you can't say you have a college degree if you can't fucking multiply and divide. I'm sorry, you don't deserve no. a degree if you cannot. Inle- do that. Unless you suffer from a uh, some of the uh, numerological developmental disorders or phobias, of which there are some. Yeah. There are some people who just literally can't do math, which is not, you know, that common. It's no, no, it rare. is it is uncommon. But you should not be getting a high school diploma if you can't do at least basic algebra, right? And you should. It's, I'm I'm willing to say, yeah, I'm it's, I'm willing even not even algebra. If you can't add two fractions together, uh, one half plus one half does not equal two fourths. Nope. Because that equals equal one, one half. It doesn't. Yeah, and it doesn't equal one fourth either, which is another one you see. It's like you. <laughs> what they thought it was a common numerator. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they, it's some weird shit. I don't. I don't understand where the logic comes from. Like, how can you say just okay? But let's let's. This is a, something about teaching. I don't. I mean, don't want to rail too much against our students because it's they their, do. It's not their fault. They try hard. It's yeah. not their fault. And it's they their, do have us their, as teachers, which yeah. is also a negative yeah. on their... For, but for, it's not... It's their previous teachers who didn't prepare them as well, yes. either. Uh, it's it's for, be- for better or for worse, failed them. you have them now. And we, and we have to try to get them prepared. Yeah. And I, I, I... Actually, I like to do whatever I can for my students to help them, you know, okay. because it shouldn't... That is, that is one so. thing that I was not expecting when I came in and became a grad assistant. I had a for a long time was really anti teaching. I never wanted to teach. I knew I was going to as soon as I got into well at some point after I got into grad school. I was not expecting to get tossed into it as quickly as I right. was. But UNLV is odd like that. Um, but I I really did not expect to really care about what my students were doing at all. Like I really didn't. And in that first semester, I ended up not actually caring a huge amount. Like I wanted them to do well, but enough of them were assholes. I mean, to be completely honest, enough of them were actually just bad, like like not just mm-hmm. bad students, but in talking in class constantly, being very disruptive, that I didn't end up caring that much. But then I changed to 132 to finite math after that. And I started really caring about my students. And now I really care. I want them to do well. I yeah. want them to come to me for help when they need it, which yeah. they never do. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, uh, it's use, weird. Use the office hours if they're available to you. Uh, and and I didn't expect to start caring, but teaching is one of those things that gets underneath your yeah. skin. Like you start to really get attached to these kids and you want you want them to do well. You want to have left your mark and you want it yeah. to be a positive one in the end. You don't want them to come out of your class more scared and worse at math than when they came right. out. Yeah. You gotta remember that when you're in a position when you're in a position of teaching, you are responsible for this person's education. Like you, just think about that. You're responsible for how yeah, but this I person's going to look. Not to care. Like I just yeah. expected to be like, well, I just don't care. I'm doing this to pay for my schooling, and that's mm-hmm. it. No, but you got to realize you're you're not playing. You're not you're not playing games here. This is serious stuff. Still, I mean, even though we are just GAs, I mean, this to this yeah, is I mean, still a course, a legitimate course. Yeah. Well, no, no. I and, mean, I I knew that, and I didn't want. I wasn't. Right. I wasn't going to mail it in. Like I wasn't right. going you to do a gonna... purposefully shitty job. I, I was expecting to want to do well because I liked doing well, mm-hmm. but I was not expecting to actually 
care on an individual basis about my students. Right. That was the part that surprised me. Yeah. I... Okay. So are there any closing comments on teaching that you all want to give? On math? Teaching maths uh, that you want to give? First of all, never call it maths. First of all, never call it mads. That's how you get an F in my class. <laughs> I guarantee you. Okay. Uh, anything you get, about, no, get a D, get a about you know, any college students who are thinking of going to grad school and are a little bit scared about teaching or or just about to go into grad school. I mean, we got some we got some people of around that period uh, well, listening. So you know what? Don't. Yeah, you hear a lot about grad school being you know really fucking bitching hard and you know you but you got to keep in mind. The difficulty of it is so that you come out. You got to temper steel in a flame. Think about that. About teaching. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying, if grad school in general, I mean, teaching, it's it's really not. I mean, if you know your material, you walk in there. They don't know it. You know, if you just make sure you're prepared and everything, you'll be fine. That's it. You prepare for class. Make sure you understand it, and try and listen to when the students have questions. And actually try and answer them. Don't just, you know, don't look at the board. Don't say simple calculation. Don't just go on a tangent about what your life is about and that kind of yeah. bullshit. No. You're there for the students, okay? You're there to teach them. They're there to learn from you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Assume you have good students and let them earn the title of idiot. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, my, my suggestion is teach something that you're passionate about and let the students know that you love it. Uh, that's the one thing that my students have most consistently complimented me on is that I love math and I show the fact that I love it and it makes them much more interested because they've had a long string of teachers who don't seem to actually enjoy mathematics at all. They're just teaching it. They're just going through the motions of teaching. Yeah. So don't teach something that you don't really enjoy. That Don't teach something that you would not talk about to your friends on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's a good measure. If you're willing to talk about it to your friends and you find yourself explaining that subject to them regularly, go teach it because you have a passion for the subject and you like explaining. So just go do it. Doesn't, it doesn't help when you're teaching intermediate algebra and all your friends already know everything about it. Well, no, no, but I, but I mean you're teaching math. You, you would talk right. about math to your friends. I, I don't mean the specific subject. I'm just joking. But, I mean, yeah, teach something you're passionate about and show your passion. The students yep. will feed off of that, yep. and they will become more engaged and better students because yep. of it. So for Cody Palmer, Brandon Metz, this is Samuel Hansen signing off after a very sincere and honest and surprisingly heartfelt episode of Combinations and Permutations. Fuck yourself, Sam. <laughs> Well, that is it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. As always, our intro and outro music is from SP12. You can find them over at opsound.org. If you want to leave me any feedback or tell us how heartfelt and really touching this episode was or that you thought were a bunch of pretentious bastards, you can email me over at samuel at acmescience.com. Acmescience.com is the home of this podcast as well as our sister podcast, the much more serious and professional, strongly connected components. Professional is a relative term, let's remember. 
This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution share-alike license, so please feel free to take all of our wonderful words about teaching on this episode and remix it together in a way that makes us sound a little bit less full of ourselves. So once again, thank you so much for listening and go check out acmescience.com and I hope you have a wonderful week.